You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Okay, last week uh, we're in a series where we're talking about prayer. And last week we talked about spiritual solutions. And we tweaked them a little bit this year. Spiritual solutions are like resolutions that only God can do. Okay? And we started this, I think, the first year that we had the church. And um, we tweaked them a little bit this year, and we said, we're gonna, we want you to write them on a card. We want one to kind of be an inward goal or spiritual solution of spending time and developing intimacy with the Lord. And the second one um, was going to be a spiritual solution that had to do with outward prayer, building the kingdom of God, and exam- or a uh, demonstration of power. And so if you'd still like to do that, we're going to have cards in the lobby. And this year, the other thing we did is we said, we want you to keep the cards, and we want everyone to get into prayer triplets or prayer, prayer quads or, you know, prayer hexes or whatever you want to have or just one other person. But we want everyone to get into one of those, share your spiritual solutions, and intercede for one another. Pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another is what Scripture says, so that we might see God's power move uh, in our church. And so not only are you praying for those things and interceding and having intercession for yourself, but you're also becoming aware of two or three other people's uh, you know, things that God has put on their heart, and you're praying for them to happen. Okay, so that was last week, and would encourage you to listen to that talk, not because it's a great talk, but because it's the first in the series, and I kind of lay things out for us in that talk. Um, you need to know this, that as I talk about prayer, this is a subject we often can become, feel guilty about, right? Because we struggle with prayer. Um, I was listening to Ian Bounds, probably written the most famous book on prayer, and he was talking about a pastor that does not pray a lot, like that is not committed to pray, is not in the closet a lot, is doing this, is preaching death to his congregation. And that when you preach death to your con- congregation, it doesn't bring life to the full, it kills them. And I'm like, oh man, I stink as a pastor. This is horrible, I don't pray enough. But that isn't God's heart. God's heart isn't that we're motivated by guilt or shame. And as I was praying uh, for us this morning, I, I had this... I was reminded of this scripture, and I looked it up just before the service, and um, I meant to bring my Bible up here, but it's basically when Jesus says, come to me, all that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I read that scripture, and I realized it was in the context of a prayer that he was saying to the Father. So it was an invitation to us, but it came through uh, as a prayer to the Father, reflecting his heart and the Father's heart for us to come to him, bring our burdens to him, desire for the Father to love us. And that's what it is at the heart of everything that I'm teaching on prayer, is this desire that the Father has for us to come to him and experience life to the full, experience you know, the release of burdens. And the other picture I had is Jesus um, just covering us with a wing, with kind of just covering us and in the shadow of his wing, protecting us, and him saying this, this is where you experience my father's love. Like, this is where you don't have to go anywhere else, you don't have to do anything else. Come to me, and I'll cover you. And just in that covering, you'll experience the life that my father has for you. you experience the love that my father has for you. And so, um, that's what I'm going to teach on today. Is I'm going to teach, teach on this week about the importance of finding a secret place and the importance of going to that secret place, and then uh, kind of operating uh, out of allowing Jesus to be our teacher. And there being three points 
If we allow Jesus to be our teacher, he has a classroom for us, and there are rules for the, in Jesus' classroom. If we follow these rules, even though we don't talk about rules and regulations at River City Church, as we learn to be obedient to these rules, we'll find life. We absolutely will have our prayers answered. We absolutely will be set free. We absolutely will find life to the full and freedom and love and the presence of God. You know, we sing about that, but I don't know if we really believe it. You know, we sing about, the pre- your presence, Lord, is all I need. Your presence, Lord, is all I need. And without it, you know, there's nothing. There's no, there's no hope. There's nothing. And then it says, without it, I'm not living. Without it, I'm not living. Do we really believe that? That it's only in the Lord's presence that we find life? Is that, do we really believe that without the Lord's presence, there's nothing? And just going back to John 15, where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do a little No, apart from me, apart from being in my presence, apart from being with my father in intimacy, there's nothing, there's no life. There's not a little life. There is zero life. There is zero hope. There is zero power in your prayers unless you're coming to the father in his presence. Now again, that's not to make you feel guilty. This is what scripture says. And my job as your pastor is to teach what the word of God says. Now, as you hear my words, Your responsibility is to allow the Holy Spirit to come and then apply it to your life, okay? And so I'm just going to unpack some scripture today. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first sermon, where he's talking about the kingdom of God. And what you need to know is that um, that the kingdom of God is the reference point for everything that we do, okay? And what I mean by that is this, is that there's the kingdom of the world in which we serve ourselves, we serve the world. We become a part of the world, okay? We're not in the world, but God says, don't be of the world, okay? So we're in the world to bring his glory, but don't be of the world, meaning don't serve the kingdom of the world. And so he begins to paint this picture. He gathers his disciples, and, he paints, and then he begins to teach them about the kingdom of God. And he teaches on a number of, uh, on, uh, of subjects. He teaches about adultery. He teaches about lust. He teaches about anger. He teaches about us being salt and light in the world. He teaches us about um, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. I have it written down here. He teaches us about a lot of stuff in this. I'm trying to find it. I don't know where I am now in my talk, but he teaches us a lot. He teaches us a lot, all right? And one of the things he teaches us about is giving and then just the importance of giving in secret. And then he teaches the importance of praying in secret. And he says, this is the secret to you experiencing my kingdom, living in my kingdom, is that you, when you pray, you do it in secret. You find a secret place and do it. Why? Because out of prayer and intimacy with the Father comes power, comes what you say and what you do becomes relevant, becomes filled with God's heart, and it brings transformation to the world. Only when we preach and teach what the Father wants us to say will there be power in what is said. Another quote from Anthony Fowler. I'm just zipping it in, zipping it down, bringing it to life. Only when we preach and teach. So this is the reality, is when I teach people how to teach Bible studies or when I teach people on how to preach, when I teach people about how to teach, the question I ask them, the first question I ask them is this, what is God saying? What do you sense that God is saying? Not... Don't teach on what God said and did, but I want to hear, and God wants us to preach what he is saying to the people that I've drawn together. And what he is saying, and the reason for that 
It's because when we know what God is saying, we learn that from being in intimacy with him. When we know what God is saying and we say it, there's power. When we say it, there is hope. When we say it, there is transformation. And isn't that what we want? Absolutely. Absolutely. George Mueller, I've been reading his um, biography. As you know, I've kind of quoted things. He's the guy that uh, had 2,000 orphans he took care of in four different houses. And he never once asked for money. And he, and he never once told people about how much money he needed. He only prayed. He only prayed. That's all he did. And it just happened. God would just show up and bring money to him. The book is amazing, so encouraging. But this is the way he preached. Uh, towards the end of his life, um, like when he was like 60 or 70, it says that, um, it says that he, quotes, he's, he quotes Mueller and he says, after 50 years of having daily time and intimacy with the Lord, I believe now is the time where I share that with the world. 50 years, 50 years of having daily time with the Lord. Daily time with the Lord. And it says, when it teaches you, when he, he was two or three hours a day he was spending with the Lord. And that was where, how he learned the Father's heart. But it says this is how he preached. People who would watch him, he never had any notes or anything, right? And so he would go and wait in the Father's presence. He would then hear what the Father said, and then he would go preach it. And he would go on these tours, he went on a number of them, sometimes where he would preach every day, and one of them was for four, he preached 400 times in a row. So that was 400 times, and he was able to do that, not in his own strength, but in the power of the Lord. And it says amazing things, crazy things happened when he taught. And so here is Jesus' encouragement and teaching to us about how we get that same power and how we receive uh, the Father's love and intimacy and how we learn to pray. He says this in Matthew 6, 5 and 8, 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not, like be, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say, again, he's contrasting. Don't be like them. That's of the kingdom of the world. Be like this. This is the kingdom of God. This is how you're to pray for the kingdom of God to come. Okay, and he says, for they, uh, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward on earth. But when you pray, go into a room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for the father knows what you need before he asks before you ask him. And so here we have Jesus teaching us, this is how the kingdom, my father's kingdom, comes on earth. And he, and he contrasts it to this is what the worldly kingdom is like. If you want to receive reward, your reward here, I'll let you have your reward here. I'll let you receive people's acclamation and power on this earth if that's what you want. If you want that, then pray like this. But if you want to see my kingdom come, if you want to see my power, if you want to see my God's reign, my Father's reign on earth as it is in heaven, then you have to pray this way. And when you look at the verbs in this, in this particular passage, they're all imperative. They're all commands from Jesus. You have to do this. Next week, I'm going to talk about, well, what happens whenever our prayers are unanswered? What's going on? Well, one of the things that's going on is that we aren't praying the way Jesus told us to pray. And we were wondering, like, what the What? Like, why isn't this happening? We're not praying the way Jesus prays. 
Jesus teaches his disciple, and this is point A, and this is really my only point until I move to the classroom, all right? But in the classroom, I go one, two, three. So this is point A. You mu- this is what Jesus teaches. This is the first lesson. This is the most important thing in prayer for the kingdom of God to come. You must have a secret place of prayer. I love that word that Susan said today. She said, I have this picture. God pours down, and what happens? We pour out. How does that happen? We go to the secret place of prayer. We go to the secret place of prayer, and God pours down, and then we come out of the secret place of prayer, and then God pours out. If Jesus is their teacher, this is interesting, I think, and I've never thought about it this way, but if Jesus is their teacher, he has a classroom, right? Every teacher has a classroom. If you're a teacher, you have a classroom. Jesus' classroom is in your secret place. That's where he teaches you. That's where you experience the Father's love. That's where you learn about the Father's heart. It's in the classroom of Jesus Christ. That's why you have to go there, because that's where he teaches you. That's where he meets you. That's where he, he, he reveals to you the Father's heart and the Father's love and the Father's desire to bring his kingdom. If Jesus is our teacher, then he must have a classroom where he teaches us. He is saying to the disciples in us, my classroom is a place where we can meet daily with him. The inner chamber, the solitary place. This spot may be anywhere, though. The spot may change from day to day if we're traveling. But we must have the secret place to be with Jesus, our teacher, so he can teach us. And not only teach us, but most importantly, in this quiet, solitary place, Jesus, our teacher, brings us into the Father's presence. And it's only when we learn what the Father has for us, all that the Father wants for us, and all that the, this is where we learn all that the Father wants for us and all that the Father is for us. So what does this practically look like, our secret place? Here's some pictures of what we think it needs to look like, and one of the reasons we don't have it is we think it needs to look all Jesus like this. We think, I need my secret place, and I need it to look like this. And we go, I got no space for that in my house. Where am I going to find a big statue of Jesus? Paper mache? Hey, Grace, in school, whenever they do paper mache, I want you to make me a big statue of Jesus. No. And then, or we think, okay, maybe we tune it down a little bit, and we think it's going to look like this. Like super, like, spiritual, kind of hipstery in this picture, lots of candles, it sets the mood, and then maybe I can connect with Jesus. But I don't think that's what Jesus means, and I know that's what, actually not what he means. And, uh, and, and so I was thinking, I was like, man, what's a secret place? What's a private place in my house? You know, I have a, a big house, but none of the rooms are private like this. And so I was thinking, oh, I know a private room. Boom. Here it is. A bathroom. Like an outhouse, right? Every one of us has a bathroom in our house, right? That can be your secret place. I'm serious. That can be your secret place. One of the other places that can be your secret place is in your car on the way to work. And I used to have a 45-minute commute when we first planted the church. And in this 45 minutes, I would turn off the radio. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing with church, but I really didn't know what I was doing there, and I was ter- terrified. And so I'd turn off the radio, and i just pray for the 45 minutes. i turn on my phone and pray for 45 minutes to get in the church when I, before I got to work. And then on the way home, I'd pray again all the way home, and that was my quiet space. That's where I encountered and understood the Father's heart for me and for the church and what it looked like. I actually learned, that's the place where I began to speak in tongues. 
is I would just start praying. I'd run out of things to say, and then boom, I would just start revealing, or I didn't know what I was saying, but the Father's heart and the Father's love just began to flow through me. I mean, we stop at a stoplight, and I'm like, shout out, you know, I'm like going for it in the steering wheel. People are like looking at me, like, look at him. They probably thought I was singing or something. Like, I was singing, but not like 95.1 or anything like that. Singing to the Lord. And so, um, so this spot may be anywhere, okay? And Jesus talks to us about it because it's not important that we have a separate room and a private room. It's, it's important that we have space, okay? I mean, back in the time when he said this, no, most of the houses were one room. And so what Jesus is saying is, it's not that you have, like, go into a separate room. He's saying, find a place where you're not noticed, Find a place where you're not preaching or praying in a way that people will take notice of you and you'll find your reward there. Find a quiet place, and, re- and this is the thing that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for what's going on in our heart. That you're turning away from the kingdom of the world and you're turning towards me. You're turning towards me. You're turning for, towards my kingdom. You're saying no to this and yes to this. And so it's less about a secret place and more about insincerity, turning to the Lord, expecting him to show up. It is there that we shut out the world and we're alone with God. So that's the, that's the first lesson. That's the most important thing, is that you have a secret place that you daily go to. And I know, I don't do this. I mean, I struggle with this because I'm a doer and I'm busy and it's easy for me to believe the lie that because I'm in ministry, I'm like a professional Christian, I don't need to do this. And so this is something that I think we all struggle with. But as we look at prayer and we're asking ourselves, I want to become a better prayer. I want to experience more power in my prayers. I want to see more answers to my prayer. If you didn't do anything but this one thing, all of those things would come true. If you didn't do anything but this one thing, finding a secret place to spend time with the Father, you did that one thing and you would see more answers to your prayer. You would have more love in your life. You would experience more of the kingdom of God. Okay. In the prayer, this prayer on the Sermon on the Mount, he uses the Father's name three times. And in these three times, he kind of lays out for us, dang it, I'm out of time. Like, it's 25 after. He lays, I'm going to go through these points, though, uh, quickly. But he, lay, he, says the, he says the Father's name three times, laying out, um, for us, the rules of his classroom, okay? The first, and here they are. You pray to your father who is in secret, and I just talked about that a little bit. Your father, and when you do, your father will reward you. And then he says, your father knows what things you need. And so first one is, pray to your father in secret. And I talked about the importance of the, the prayer closet, okay? And he wants us to go there. You know, have you ever been to an open house? And you go into an open house, and you see like, you see the walls and how the teacher decorated the walls, and you become aware of like, oh, this is geometry, because there's stuff up there I don't know. Or like, there, this is like English class, because there's the alphabet around the top of the ceiling, right? And you become aware of the vibe of this teacher. You become aware of the heart of this teacher, right? Because of the way they decorate their classroom, the way that they set their classroom up. Well, the same is true with Jesus as our teacher, Okay, he says, come to me, I'll bring you to the Father, and this is my classroom. And as we come into the classroom of Jesus, we experience, we experience his heart. 
We experience the heart of Jesus, but also him bringing us to the Father that happens in quiet. And so he's communicating us. He's teaching us, this is what my classroom's like. This is the importance of being quiet with me. This is the importance of, of you letting me be your teacher. His classroom is a secret place. But it's also a place where the sole purpose is to meet the Father. And so you need to ask this question, am I in the right classroom? Have you ever been in the wrong classroom? You like going in the classroom, you sit down, and you realize like either I'm in the wrong classroom or, and I'm not, because all these people are smarter than me. So I'm probably in the wrong classroom. And sure enough, they read the role, and you're like, my name's not on the role, and they always ask the awkward question like, if your name wasn't on the role, you're probably not in the classroom, the right classroom. Or you go to this classroom, right? And the teacher, the, well, I'm not going to talk anymore about that because I'm out of time. There's a lot of different ways to know you're in the wrong classroom. But it's so embarrassing to get up. So the question you need to ask is, are you in the right classroom? Are you in a classroom of silence and solitude where are experiencing the Father's love? Because if you're not, you're in the wrong classroom. And if you're in the wrong classroom, you're not going to learn the lessons that God has for you that Jesus has for you. You're not gonna be able to allow him to teach you the way he desires to teach you. And how do you know that you're in the right classroom? That's easy, because you meet the Father. Well, guess what lesson one is? Day one in Jesus' classroom, did you meet my Father? Day two, lesson one, did you meet my Father? Day three, lesson one, did you meet my Father? If you aren't meeting the Father when you meet with Jesus, then you're in the wrong classroom. You need to change something up. You need to find a quiet place, a different place than you're already experiencing. That is the main goal that Jesus is trying to teach us in his classroom. I'm going to post some of this stuff. I'm blogging this week. I'm going to post some of these things that I'm not getting to say. But one of the other reasons that I go into is that the reason we have to go to a secret place is because the Father, who is spirit, hides himself from the carnal eye, hides himself. He's different from the world. He is spirit. And so the only way we can connect with him is through our spirit. And so we need to go to a secret place because God is in secret. Okay, Jesus says, point two. Here's another rule of my, his classroom. When you go to the classroom, you go to a secret place, and your Father sees you in secret, he will reward you. This is a promise. Jesus will reward you. Here's Jesus. He assures us that the secret prayer will not be fruitless. Its blessing will show itself every time in our life. But it requires us to meet with him, to be in the secret place, and to trust him with our life, all of it. When we do, and when we share it with him, he promises to reward us. He will see to it that the answer to prayer is manifested in his blessing upon us. So Jesus is teaching us that the, that the same way that the Father's love for us is infinite and all-consuming, so is his faithfulness. That we can be assured, we can be assured when we are praying and lying with the Father's heart, he will answer us. Our prayers will not be fruitless. I mean, how many times have we given up on prayer because we feel like God's not answering me? We feel like he's not hearing me. We feel like God is faithless, even, or he's not faithful. We would never say that, but often that is why we quit praying because we don't understand what the word of God teaches. The facts 
Don't trump the truth. The truth is God will always be faithful. God always hears our prayers. God always answers our prayers. Always. Because he's a good father, a loving father. And he desires to meet our needs. We must believe that our prayers will bring down blessing, that they will be answered. If we don't, we will not pray. Powerful prayer finds its strength not in how strong we feel something or how passionate we pray. It is powerful because of who it is entrusted with. Okay? You hear what I just said? So prayer is not powerful because we pray like we scream it out to God or because we're really passionate about it, we're really sure of it, that's not what makes prayer powerful. What makes prayer powerful and what causes God to be faithful is that we're entrusting it to him, our loving father. And so we can count on him answering our prayer. And when we learn to entrust the father with our life and he answers our prayer, we get filled with life when we bring his kingdom on earth. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to blog about that. Okay. And next week, again, I'm talking about what about unanswered prayers. Okay. Third point. Jesus says that the Father knows what things you have need before you ask him. And last week, I talked about that many of us use this as a motivational factor to not pray at all. We're like, yo, God knows what I'm going to say before I say it. Why pray? That's a lot easier, a lot quicker. Or we pray like, Jesus, I pray for my meals for the rest of my life. That's, this is at the heart of that, right? Jesus can know what I'm saying. Why do I pray? And what, I, what we said last week was, no, 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 no. He says, don't heap empty words up. Don't manufacture words that you think are religious or more powerful. You don't have to do that. I know what you need. Just come to me. Just allow me to love you. Come into my presence. Come under the wing of Christ and allow him to teach you. And that will bring, and that, and, and that encourages us because we know what the Father wants for us. But Jesus is teaching another point too. He's teaching us to trust the Father with our prayers and with our life. He's saying the Father knows what your needs are, but he's asking the question, but do you really trust him? Do you trust him to give you what you need? but also trust him to teach you what you need, not by giving it to you, but by withholding it from you so that you'll trust him. That's a complicated sentence. So Jesus is teaching this point. I'm going to say it again. Do you you trust him to give you what you need? And a lot of times our answer is yes to that. But do you also trust him to teach you what you need by not giving you what you think you need but you really don't. That's the Antley Fowler quote too. Boom, there it is. I didn't know I had that one in there. Didn't know I had that one in there. And this is what, this will teach us quiet perseverance to hold on. We heard Susan talk about 10 years to hold on, to continue to pray, to persevere because our teacher, Jesus, promises the Father knows what we need. You know, we often complain that private prayer is not what it should be in our life. And we feel guilty and ashamed, like I said. We feel weak and sinful. Our hearts feel cold and dark. We feel like 
We have so little to pray, and in that, no faith or joy when we pray. So we are discouraged, and we are kept from prayer by the thought that we cannot come to the Father as we ought to or as we wish. And we end up thinking, again, the Father's disappointed with us. He's sad with us. Doing a good job, but you need to do a little better, Antley. Or he's even mad with us. Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you coming to me? But that's the exact opposite of what's happening. See, Jesus tells us in this passage that when you go to private prayer, your first thought is that the Father is in secret and he's waiting for me there. He promises that he is waiting for me in this secret space. And just because your heart is cold or prayerless, you get yourself into the Father's presence and you will experience his love for you. You will learn to trust him and to trust your prayers will be answered and to trust that he knows exactly what you need and desires to give it to you. Christ lives to pray for us. Scripture says that he is in heaven interceding for each one of us right now. He lives to pray for us. His life in us is an ever-praying life. He's always praying for us. If we trust him for this, we will encounter the kingdom and bring the kingdom and the Father's love in a way that this world is desperate for. Jesus is waiting for us this morning and is longing to teach us in his classroom of a secret place all that the Father has for us. The question is, will you allow him to be your teacher? Will you allow him to be your teacher and bring you into his classroom? Let's stand.